A half century ago, cancer killed a 31-year-old woman named Henrietta Lacks. In the time since, her cancer cells went on to be critical in establishing an important cell line that has been part of a medical revolution chronicled by author Rebecca Skloot and captured the attention of Oprah Winfrey and movie producers. Skloot has not forgotten her subject or their family, who will have this special woman remembered in a foundation that may one day lead to other special research discoveries. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Jackson, your host, and joining me today is Rebecca Skloot. Ms. Skloot is a science writer and author who has been published in the New York Times, Prevention, Glamour Magazines, and others. More recently, she has gained acclaim for her best-selling book on the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, a forgotten woman behind a hugely important discovery to modern medicine. We're so happy to have her join us from her home in Chicago. Welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Thanks for having me. Well, it is so great to have you. Your book is now out in paperback. The story of Henrietta Lacks is fascinating, and your role in this foundation that you've created could one day lead to another story that, like this, could you please give us, our listeners, a little bit of background on the book, and then we can talk about all this. So the book tells the story of Henrietta Lacks, who was a poor African-American tobacco farmer who grew up in southern Virginia. And when she was 30 years old, in 1951, she went to the doctor to get her cancer treated. And without her knowledge, her doctor just took a little piece of her tumor and put it in a dish. And that tissue sample went on to create the first immortal human cell line ever grown in culture, which is now known as HeLa, which most you know researchers out there have worked with. I mean, it's a very widely used cell. It's in laboratory all around the world. And it you know, it went on to become one of the most important things that happened in medicine. The cells were used to create the polio vaccine. They went up in the first space missions to see what would happen to human cells in zero gravity. Her cells were the first ever cloned. Her genes were the first ever mapped. And the list of scientific advances made using these cells just goes on and on. And she died a few months after the cells were taken. She never knew about them. And her family didn't know about them until about 25 years after her death when her children were then used in research without their knowledge to learn more about the cells and the cells became a very big product, and the story sort of goes on and on. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about then, this has been a bestseller, it's won awards, uh, congratulations for that, and now this movie, and there's so many different threads here that are important to people, but tell us a little bit about kind of what you've done, because oftentimes, you know, 50 years ago, people were researched and studied without their knowledge. And it wasn't a participatory thing as it is today. You're telling that story and you're also giving back to the family and what happened to them. I mean, it was pretty standard practice in the 50s to take samples like this without a patient's knowledge. It's still actually standard practice today. I mean, there's certain regulations in place that say that you can't do research on a person without their consent if you're sort of going to them just wanting to do research or taking tissues specifically for research. But so much of tissue research actually happens on stored samples that were taken for other reasons, like biopsies, you know, routine blood tests. Often those are stored, and as long as your name's removed from them, it doesn't require consent. So it's still an ongoing sort of issue and discussion about how you should regulate that and you know, how to handle the fact that there's often a lot of commercial potential. The big part of the Black family story is that these cells launched you know, essentially a multi-billion dollar industry, and her children to this day can't afford health insurance. They're very poor, and they often say, you know, our mother's cells were so important to medicine, why can't we go to the doctor? 
you know, when I came to the story, I felt like it was really important to not be sort of another person who came along potentially benefiting off of this family and the cells without doing something in return. So I set up this foundation. It has helped several of her family members. We've done college scholarships for tuition for eight of her grandkids and great-grandkids and books. I've been able to help some of her kids with some medical expenses. But the foundation itself is actually broader than that. It's actually set up to help people who are in financial need who have been used in research or whose family members have without their consent. So people who made important contributions to science but, you know, didn't benefit directly and, you know, weren't actually asked. And the name of the foundation is the Henrietta Lacks Foundation. Where is it based? And if you wouldn't mind, if there's a website you could give our listeners. Yeah, it's online at henriettalacksfoundation.org. And anyone can donate, and some of the proceeds of the book go in there. And there's a description there of exactly what the foundation is doing. Well, and also, when you're talking about this and about how essentially this billions of dollars and in, in advancements have come from her stem cells, would that ha- be able to happen today? I mean, wouldn't there be a patent lawyer that would get in on that and make sure that my stem cells weren't used without my family and I making some big bucks off this? No. Absolutely not. It's standard practice for cells to be commercialized, you know, if there is some commercial potential in them, if there's a valuable cell and it's often patented, or there are products made using cells. And no, the standard practice is to not even not disclose that there are potential profits. So there are no requirements saying that the consent forms need to tell people, you know, this may lead to commercial you know, first you don't, they often don't even have to get consent. They often use a sort of general, you can dispose of my tissues any way you see fit sort of model. And there's nothing that says you have to say there may be commercial benefit from this and you won't get any of it. There have been plenty of lawsuits over the years that have challenged that. That hasn't been settled, how to handle the commercial potential, in part because there's a big concern among scientists that this will sort of bringing patients into the commercial side of things will inhibit research. And and I've talked to everyone involved in lawsuits related to this stuff. And basically their response is, you know, if they had just asked us and told us that this could be, you know, developed into a product, we would have said yes. We would have given permission, but people just don't generally like to find out after the fact that their cells have been commercialized and they didn't know it. So there's still a lot of contention surrounding that. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Jepson, your host, and I'm so glad to have joining us today Rebecca Sklute, who has written a book, a best-selling book, on Henrietta Lacks. The book is now out in paperback, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, and we're talking about, if you will, stem cell research, and one of the things that comes out of this with Ms. Lax is that you're talking about, it's sort of similar to organ donation. A lot of people, there's a shortage of donors in what's your foundation in memory of Ms. Lax and to sort of spur research. I sort of am reading between the lines on some of the things that could come out of this is that this could spur other people to come forward and participate in the process. Yeah, I mean, it's actually the, you know, the foundation is very specifically at this point, it's to help people who were used in research without their consent. So it is more about helping the research participants. We aren't funding research or anything like that. Because some of them may have given their cells and so forth, and then big money was made on them, and like the Lax Um, family? Not necessarily. The foundation is more about recognizing there's a long history of people being used in research without their consent in this country, not just tissue research, but, you know, the Tuskegee syphilis studies where hundreds of men were with syphilis, black men were studied to essentially watch how syphilis kills you from infection to death, and they were never offered any treatment when it was available. There was a human radiation experiments in the 50s where people were 
injected with plutonium without their knowledge. And so there are thousands and thousands of people who have been used in research, who really you know, made contributions to research without even knowing that they were being part of this. They weren't asked permission. And nothing has ever been set up to respond to those people or their descendants if they're now gone. And, you know, generally those people are poor. They're often black or some other minorities. So the foundation is really about, it's a way of, for science and anyone really to say, you know, essentially, we did this thing. We used you or your family member in research without consent. And this is a way to sort of give back to those people. So it's very specific to funding education assistance and health care for people who don't have access to it. It's got this very specific goal. So it isn't actually about funding research, and, and it's also not really about stem cells. I mean, Henrietta Lacks' cells, they were the first immortal cells ever grown in culture, but they aren't stem cells. It's actually a very different kind of cell. We can grow stem cells today thanks to the technology that was developed using her cells, but they're actually quite different. So it's really pretty specific to this question of, you know, how should you handle the fact that we're still using, in a sense, people in research without consent by doing a lot of tissue research? So, you know, we do a lot of education about that as well. Are you having people come forward, families and grandchildren of people saying, I think my mom or dad was used in research? And have you been having, I don't want you to give away your next best-selling book, but I mean, <laughs> I just... I no, just... definitely. And one of the things that's been interesting is I've heard from a lot of people who willingly donated tissues did give consent for their tissues to be used in research and, you know, were told your sample is going to be turned into the cell line and then later found out that those were actually commercialized, that their doctor or the researcher who had taken the sample didn't inform them that there was a lot of commercial potential behind it. So I've heard actually from a lot of people who are in that situation, who are now in a part because of the book, they've gone and looked into what happened with their cells and they found out, wow, there's this patent on my cells and you can buy them online for this amount of money. And, you know, they go back to their consent forms and they say nothing about money. So there's a lot of people who are sort of saying, wait a minute, this was not part of what I agreed to. You should have told me. And then I do hear from people who, you know, there are often some people who, you know, think that their family member was used in research. Often it's not the case, but sometimes it is. So there's a big range of responses that we get. Now, are some of the folks who were not told that there was money involved and later found out money was made? I mean, are those folks going out and getting lawyers and trying to get a piece of the pie, or, or do they have a case? For the most part, I mean, there, it depends on what their agreement was. And the legal sort of case law has always ruled in favor of commercialization without sort of letting the patients in on it because there's this concern about inhibiting science. And, you know, and I should say there's the number of cells that are actually valuable is practically none. Like your cells are probably worth nothing. My cells are probably worth nothing. It's very rare that a cell line is actually worth something. It's more that cells in large quantities from lots of different people are very valuable for research, you know, which we want scientists to do research on that. It's very important for science. So in a lot of ways, I feel like this discussion gets a little sidetracked when it focuses just on sort of dollars and should patients get some. Yeah, it's very complicated. It is, and I think a lot of it really comes down to two things. One of it is just disclosure. People don't want to find out after the fact that their doctor is, you know, a researcher is potentially profiting off of something having to do with their bodies without telling them. That's pretty clear. And the other thing is about access to health care. The money debate often comes down to, you know, scientists often say, well, it's, everyone benefits from this research. It's sort of our duty to donate tissues and help. But in fact, in our country, not everyone benefits. Mm -hmm. And the people who don't are the people who are poor, often minorities. And so the response about money is less, from what I hear, is less about, I want you to cut me a check that I put in my pocket, and more about, hey, wait a minute, how come you're profiting off of this part of my body 
that's going to go become a medical advance that I then have to pay insurance companies to hopefully get access to and maybe can't even get it. And so I think in a lot of ways it comes down to a discussion about our healthcare system and consent. (laughs) Well, once again, the book is The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks and the foundation uh, that Rebecca Sklute has created in their memory is the Henrietta Lacks Foundation. And what's been the biggest thing that you've heard that's been so rewarding for you with either the foundation or the book? I mean, is the family, how are they doing? Yeah, they're in the similar situation that they were when sort of in the book. You know, they're still struggling for health care. The foundation has been able to help them quite a bit. Not nearly. I mean, it's a large family, so it's certainly, people often think, you know, oh, the book is a bestseller, so therefore everyone must have health insurance now and they're all fine. And it's like, no, not quite. But so, yeah, the family's response and being able to help them some has been great. And the two most common responses I get to the book, you know, scientists often reach out to me and, you know, say, you know, I have been using these cells my whole career. I, you know, I do research on them every day, and I never stop to think about where they came from, and this is really changing the way I look at cells. And I hear that quite a bit, and just researchers of all, you know, whether they've worked with HeLa cells or not, you know, they're really, they're glad to have this discussion sort of out there and happening in the general public. I hear often that they feel like this will help bridge this mistrust that's out there to sort of talk about the history, how can we move forward, you know, in a way that will build trust, and so I hear a lot about that from researchers and from the general public. I think the most sort of touching responses that I get, I hear often from people who say, you know, I don't like science. Science freaks me out. I almost didn't read your book because it's about <laughs> cells, but I loved it. And I got to the end and I realized I had actually learned something about cells, but sort of it didn't hurt. And, <laughs> you know, so there's a big portion of the general public that doesn't usually get exposed to science that's reading the story and That makes me, as a science writer and a science person, very happy. And part of what they're realizing is that every single person out there has benefited from these cells, like individually. You know, if you've gotten a vaccine, if you or anyone you love has been treated for cancer, chances are the drug that was used was made using HeLa cells. I mean, so everyone has a very personal connection to the cells, which really is incredible to see. So I hear a lot of stories in response to that. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Rebecca Sklude, who has been our guest. She's the author of The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which is out in paperback, but she has also created a very important foundation to remember the family of Henrietta Lacks, the Henrietta Lacks Foundation, and not only to remember her, but to all of the people out there who have given their cells, their bodies to research and have not necessarily shared in what people think is one of the best healthcare systems in the country. You've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.